The missing piece of the final puzzle is inspired by Matthew 18 when the shepherd leaves the 99 to go after the last one. I want you to realize that God's purpose for your life is just like a puzzle. The more pieces you put together, the more you see the truth of God's plan. And let me tell you something, because if I can be real, you are the one missing piece, the chosen one that Jesus pursued the same way to complete his final puzzle. And until he finds you and bring you back where you belong, the puzzle will stay incomplete and Jesus promised to us remain unfinished. Hey, listen, I just want you to use this podcast as a guide to make yourself fully available to him, share your faith with other athletes, and proclaim that each and every single one of us is part of something greater. So here we go. Welcome. And let's just talk on the missing piece of the final puzzle. What's up, everybody? Welcome back on the missing piece of the final puzzle. I hope that last week episode, you guys learned a lot from Leslie. I told you, she's one of the greatest women out there and she's dope. It was really important to me that you guys actually can understand what kind of host you guys have and why I kind of started this podcast. I don't want to give this impression that I'm perfect because I'm totally not. And in a second, when I'm about to dive into it, you guys are about to see that, yeah, it's not about perfection, but progressive life, right? So I just want to dive into it. But before I do so, I just want you guys, as I talk, I want you to remember those three things. So the first thing I want you to remember, whatever happened before, God has grace for you. All right. He already got a table ready for you in front of your enemies. Number two, Jesus loves you, and regardless, he always have your back. And last but not least, God turns your messes into miracles. So I want you guys to remember that, okay? So let's just dive into it. So my name is Naomi, but everybody calls me Mimi. Um, I guess it's easier, and everybody can pronounce it better. (laughs) I am part of the women's basketball team at Oklahoma State University. I am originally from French Guyana, which is located in South America. I grew up with my mom and my sister. My sister and I my sister and I have two different dads. We were both raised by a single mother, and we both had to learn how to become independent really quickly. So let's just start. One of the things that I had to deal early on in my life was rejection. All right? Feeling like not wanted, not valued or unqualified if I can say it that way it actually started with my dad when my mom and dad got married um it was really rough because in our family it was a lot of violence Um, my dad was really abusive and a couple of times I can say that I saw my mom almost die which is which was really tough on me. I mean, I was still a baby. I can only remember a couple segments. So first, it started with my dad. I grew up in an environment where a lot of anger, a lot of stress, uh, a lot of sadness. And basically, that kind of shaped me a little. Um, But I want to say this thing. I am grateful that God gave me a mother that actually had the strength to leave this kind of environment. I know a lot of women out there, and I know it's not easy Um, But I know a lot of women out there that are still in those kind of environment and doesn't have quite the strength yet to leave. Um, So if I want to look at the positive of that, I definitely thank God that he gave me a mom that was strong enough and grab her two daughters and say that's enough. Um, After that, what happened is that 
when we come back home uh, we have nowhere to stay so basically my mom kind of forced it on my grandmother um, and we had to stay at her house here's the thing though my grandma did not really like my mom um, she abandoned my mom when she when she was two months old um, and so there are kind of some history there it was rough because that was kind of another step in the rejection you know process and every time I would come to my grandma and be so happy and say hey grandma she will just you know being kind of mad and reject me and tell me oh get out of my face I am not your grandma um, it was really heartbroken because I've always been the type of person that would love on others uh, even if it's not reciprocal um, so that was kind of tough honestly but here's the thing though when my mom realized what was happening at my grandma's house while she was at work um, she just couldn't take it and what she did is that we looked for an apartment so we moved into an apartment I mean it was the projects it wasn't the best it wasn't the biggest you know it was really small I mean apartments were really close to one another um, but I'm like in my head I'm like thank god I mean let, let's just start over let's let's start fresh you know in my head I was like oh that's going to be good we have our own apartment it's my mom my sister and I right the thing is I thought it was done but it actually wasn't what ended up happening was that my sister because of the anger the bitterness all the kinds of feeling and emotion that actually stayed inside of her heart she's the one that turned out by expressing anger what I mean by that is that my sister was um, actually the one beating me up at home it was kind of rough because sometimes I would just wake up in the morning before going to school grab my notebook but I couldn't find it so what I would do I would turn on the light and if I would wake her up she would just turn into something completely different and I would just get beat up right before going to school and you can't tell anything because that's kind of how it was I kept that for myself for a long time because it, for me, I loved my mom so much and I was like, hey, I'm not going to tell her that because how broken will she be? Now, what's going to happen? I mean, she needs to work. She needs to be at work. She already have enough things to worry about. So what I did is that I kept it for myself and I was just kind of like a suck it up mentality. You know what I mean? So that's what happened. And on top of that, I used to get bullied at school. I mean, I was really small, really skinny. I was always dressing up like a little boy, if you guys see. Uh, I was always hanging out with boys. That was just kind of my, the way I was. Um, so I used to get bullied a lot for that. I mean, kids are not easy at school. They're not. So that's kind of like how rejections started for me. And it kind of pushed me to making, doing everything that I could for people to love me and accept me um, and it didn't matter if they were accepting me not for who I was all I wanted was to receive love and honestly I fell into an unhealthy relationship with with um with love but anyway let's just move on so that's just kind of to give you my background as a little girl um I remember my sister and I, we had two complete different um, education. She had a lot of freedom. And on my side, um, my mom didn't. 
The reason why my mom didn't give me as much freedom is because she saw how it turned out with my sister. I mean, she was allowed to do everything. So because of the way it turned out, she told me, all right, it's your turn. I'm not going to let you go to the movies with your friend. I'm not going to let you um, like what go pajama parties. I was not allowed to do any of that. The only thing I was allowed to do was if it was related to basketball. So early on, I developed that manipulative like mindset and I was I was able to lie just to be able to do what I wanted to do um when my mom realized that I had my first boyfriend I was 14 years old when my mom realized that I had my first boyfriend I remember she was really upset and it kind of hit her and I remember she said hey babe please I beg you do not get into love you have no idea what that requires you think you you think you know but you have no idea so please stay away from it and honestly I wish I would have listened because when I look back today I am 25 years old and I remember whenever I got into the process of writing down um every single person that I either hurt or either hurt me in relationships and I wrote every single name down it turned out to be 16 names on that list I have dated 16 different person in the midst of from 14 years old to 25 years old. That's a lot. Guys, I mean, I was constantly in a cycle going over and over and over and over. And what I've realized is that, which is pretty sad, but I realized that those people, the majority, it was just for having a male presence, you know, next to me, just feeling protected, just feeling loved and I had a total misconception of what love was at that time so what happened is that thanks thanks to basketball I mean that was my way out I was really good and I had the opportunity to leave and go to France so I left home when I was 14 for me it was just kind of an escape with everything that was happening at home um I really wanted to leave I knew I was leaving the loved ones behind but at the same time, I was like, I want to become a professional basketball player. And if I can just come back and give it back to my family, like give it back to my mom and everything, all the sacrifices that she has done for me, that that was my goal. That's what I wanted to do. So I had to sacrifice that part of seeing my family every day. Uh, so I left home when I was 14. Right. And in my head, it's like, OK, God, you know, start fresh, start over please help me guide me you know and I was just like that is so cool I'm about to leave this new thing like this is new new school new dorm new people new air new country and I was okay let's do it well next thing I know something happened and I got bullied again I was in high school it went all the way and it was done by my own friends too uh which sucked honestly but so I'm like hey what am I doing wrong like, what am I doing wrong? What have I done to deserve that? And I was just mad at God because I feel like no matter what I was doing, every time I was smiling at life, it's like life would just slap me back in the face. And I was just like, God, I don't understand. Like, please help me. But after that, whenever I got out of that phase, I kind of came back with God and I was in a good space with him. Um, in my fourth year, that I spent in France, I asked God for a new challenge. And I was like, hey, listen, God, I want 
a new challenge. I want you to come here and just take me out of there. I want you. I don't know what it is, but I feel like there is something, you know, and I pray. And all I say is I want, I want, I want, I want, right? I finish my prayer before going to bed. I call my mom and I tell her, hey, mom, how are you? We're just talking. And all of a sudden, she just asked me, did you pray? Which honestly, my mom never asked me that before. And I say, yeah, I pray. And then she's like, how did you pray? And I'm like, what do you mean? How did I pray? I mean, I prayed. But then I'm like, okay, I'm just going to tell you. So I tell her, I told God, I want this. I want that. And then she said, please, honey, redo your prayer. Like, and when you redo it, put it into perspective that he is the one in control. She said, and surrender the outcome. I remember she said that surrender the outcome whenever you pray. So I hung up, tell her good night, and then I redo my prayer, you know. And I kid you not, literally, whenever I say, in the name of Jesus, amen, literally three seconds, you can count it down. One, two, three. My phone rings. I grab it. I put it out under my pillow and I read it. It was a text from a French coach. That was coaching in the United States of America. So that's kind of how the idea and God answered my prayer so quick, man, real quick. And just from obedience, he just answered right here. So here I'm at and I'm so excited and I'm like, hey, mom, listen, this just happened to me and this just happened to me. I know it's crazy. I don't know what happened, but I'm going to play in the U.S. I, I don't know how. I don't know when, but that's what's going to happen. He told me so. So I will. She was really excited, very supportive. So we kind of started the recruiting process, right? So what I've done, because I didn't know anything, I went on Google and I typed NCAA teams, right? So I came out with JUCO's name, universities. I come out with D2, D1, even D3 JUCO, because I didn't, I, I didn't know that it was so many different levels. So what I did, I made a little highlight on my phone and I started making a video, making an email, and I kind of put that in the same thing so what I did I started making a little highlight on my phone I have built that little email and what I was doing I was going on each and every single school to grab the emails and name of a recruiting coach and what I've done I was starting to just emailing people you know emailing schools and what happened is that 20 minutes later I received an email from a school a JUCO Iowa Western Community College and I was like, wait, somebody already replied to me? I'm still sending emails. So what ended up happening is that I open it and then they're telling me, we are so interested in you. How can you give us a way that we can reach out and stuff? And I'm so excited. And I'm like, wow, this is actually happening. So then by the end of the day, I receive a bunch of emails, but it was kind of overwhelming. So what happened at that time, I had another boyfriend and... um. I remember we went out to eat and at the restaurant, we were, we were kind of talking and I told him, hey, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know how to do with that. And what happened is that I remember praying in my heart and I was kind of like, please help me, help me. I don't know where to go. And next thing I know, at the end of the restaurant, my boyfriend at the time, he looked at me and he tells me, hey, did you realize what was the name of the burger that you just ordered? And I was like, no, I, I, I don't know. And he said it was the Iowa club. And I was like, wow, 
I come home, I remember, I was so excited, and I said, that's where I'm going. Like, literally, I said, people might think that this is crazy, but to me, that's just the way God speaks to me, and he speaks to me directly, like straight up. And because he was so direct, I was like, okay, God, I'm going to Iowa Western. So here I am starting a process going to Iowa Western, right? After that, here's the thing. <clears throat> I am such on a high note right now. And I'm like, okay, this is about to be great. Like you have answered my prayers. You've been so faithful to me. Thank you so much. But here's the thing though. In my foolishness, my 19-year-old thought that I knew better than anybody else. I thought that um, I was just perfect. I thought that um, I was I could not make any mistakes. Here's the thing, though. At 19 years old, it was one of the most event shaping. And it was a result of my own disobedience. At 19 years old, because I thought that I knew better than anybody else. Well, guess what? I got pregnant. Yeah, Mimi at 19 was pregnant. So whenever I look at that test, I'm freaking out. I'm like, there is no way. How could that happen to me? How could I be on such a high note? And then all of a sudden, just it's crushed. I need you guys to imagine how I felt at that time. Because I was like a baby. How am I going to even tell that to my mom? There's no way. Like she was not even allowing me to go to the movies with my friend. Now, do you really think she's going to just allow me to keep playing basketball here she's just gonna tell me you come back home and it's over and I'm like God I don't know what to do and I felt shame I felt guilt I felt oh my goodness a lot a lot of those feelings and it was tough next thing I know I'm in the hospital with the nurse figuring out what to do because I had no idea I was so young and I was like okay what am I doing then so the nurse started telling me about abortion and all those things. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is a lot of information. Here's the thing, though. My mom calls me. So I come out and I answer the phone. And I remember she had one of the biggest smile on her face. And she tells me, hey, babe, I know it was supposed to be a surprise, but me and your nephew, we're coming to surprise you tomorrow. Wow. My heart dropped. My heart dropped. But I had to keep a clean face and I put a mask on and I was smiling and laughing and acting like I was so happy when I wasn't. The news, it's, the news itself was great, but knowing the circumstances that I was in, man, it was just too much. Next thing I know, they arrived. We're having a good time. It was that one night. That one night, I can't fall asleep. That one night, I'm sick to my stomach. I would always remember I kept rotating in my bed and I was just worrying. Um, my, mom and I, my, my mom and my nephew were sleeping right next to me. And right there, I knew something was happening. I decided to get up, go in the bathroom, and I'm just on the ground crying. I don't know what's going on. My stomach hurt. I keep throwing up. And I'm just like, this is different. This is something is happening on the inside of me and I have no idea. Next thing I know... I just lost the baby. I was not far into the pregnancy, but I did lose that baby. I went through a miscarriage. It was hard. And the next thing I know is that at 19, I was in that bathroom suffering in silence. 
crying, tears dropping on the ground, mouth wide open, no word coming out. I was in pain. And I had to remain silent because my mom and my nephew are sleeping in the other room and I don't want anybody to know what's going on. Next thing I know, I have the fetus. I don't know how you guys say that. Is that how you guys say it? The fetus in my hand. And I'm literally looking at this little thing. And I'm like, wow. The saddest part is it stuck with me. But I had to move on. And that's where Mimi learned to move on. And regardless of the situation, you better keep moving in life. It don't matter if you walk. It don't matter if you crawl. You move forward. So what I've done is I flushed it. I cleaned everything in the bathroom. And then I came out and I acted like nothing happened. We're still... My, my family is still here on vacation, and I suck it up until they go back. Next thing I know is next summer when it's time for me to come home because it's the break and I always go home. Um, God tells me, I have so much more for you, only if you would let me. Only if you would let me work your life around. That, that baby was not what I had for you. So when enough is enough. And I was like, wow. I remember that summer, one night I was feeling upset. And my mom and I, we prayed together. And we haven't prayed in a long time together. It's probably been two, three years that we haven't prayed together. And I remember that night I told her, mom, I want to give my life to Jesus. And she was so happy, I remember. I said, yeah, I want to give my life to Jesus here, home, now. And then we talked, and we said, okay, let's do it. That specific night, when I tell you the enemy cannot stand you, it is real, guys. The enemy cannot stand you. He hates you. He wants to kill you, and that's the truth. Because when I tell you that night, I was in my bed laying down. At the moment that I feel that I'm falling asleep. In my dream, I put my blanket on me. Next thing I know, Satan literally show up in my dream and snap and literally snatch the blanket out of my body. And he's literally on top of me, yelling at me and telling me all kinds of things. Like, you, who do you, who do you think you are? You think you're good enough? To join the kingdom of God? Do you think that you're good enough? Do you think that it's worth it? Where do you think you're going? We're coming to get you. And in that dream, I remember it was a map right in front of me. And I saw his boat was making his way to me. And then he kept getting louder and louder and louder. And then I just got to a point where I screamed. And I said, you know what? That's enough. I'm a children of God. When I tell you he hates you and he hates people that talks about Christ. That's real because you know what he did right after I said that? He grabbed me and he threw me in the deep ocean. He didn't throw old Mimi. He threw baby Mimi in the ocean. Meaning that all of a sudden I'm just a baby in the ocean, in the deep ocean, dying. 
And again, because whenever we talk about God's grace, God literally show up. And he doesn't show up as a way that I know it's him. There are three blue shiny bubbles spinning around me faster 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 at some point it was going so fast that it kept putting me up at the surface more and more and more and more and then he just threw me on the sand right next to this huge rock and i believe it was the father the son and the holy spirit that rescued me next thing i know i'm still that baby right next to the rock and all i can hear is tools tools like knocking on each other i can hear men talk i can feel like people are working around me but i cannot see now all of a sudden i see feet coming at me with sandals that person picked me up and i believe it was jesus and then next thing i know as we walk there's this voice that shouts to him saying pick her up she is the right one so i'm being picked up and we're walking away and next thing i know whenever i turn as i'm being in the hands of jesus there is that snake that keep following me so that's my dream when i wake up it's a feeling where you feel like you're coming back to your senses you feel like but you can't move you can't talk you feel like you're screaming but there is no noise coming out that's how it felt So when I wake up, I'm like yelling and my mom is so scared. She looked at me and I'm like, mom, this is what happened. And I tell her everything. And she literally looked at me and asked me, are you ready? And I'm like, wait, what? Ready for what? She says, do you still want to give your life to God? I said, yes, I'm doing it. After that, I started the process to come to the U.S. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 19 that summer. And... I started the process to come to the US with my visa and everything. So my first year I ended up going to Iowa Western Community College. I was recruited by the assistant coach there. My freshman year, I have a great year actually and I didn't expect it to go so well. So during my first year, this assistant coach that recruited me ended up going to another university called UMKC. So my second year, I'm starting to have a lot of offers. And it was Big 12 schools, Big 10. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Here's the thing, though. I am a humble person. But at that moment, I started to have a big head because I was playing my best basketball. And in my head, I was like, oh, nothing can take me down now. It's it's on. God humbled me. I would always remember I was supposed to go visit the school of Texas Tech on a Saturday. On Friday, we had a game. So meaning that I was supposed to play my game next day take a flight and go visit that school right i would remember that one game right before halftime i'm over here pull up jumper i shoot it i miss i end up having my own rebound so i jump on the way down my quad go one way my tibia go another way i fall on the ground i was hurt only thing i could hear was cries Everybody was being quiet around me and my coach I could only hear her the noise that her heels was making because she sprint towards me. She come on the ground, hug me and start crying and tell me it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. And all I could remember was that visit that I had the next day. And I 
as I was on the ground crying, all I could say was, Texas Tech, Wichita State, DePaul. And I just started naming all those schools that were recruiting me. Now here is what happened. After that, I mean, you guys know how it works. You get hurt. All of a sudden, nobody wants to recruit you. That's just how it is. During that recruiting process, when I told God, I don't know why UMKC is still sending me offers. I don't want to go there. Well, guess what? All those schools left except one. Which one? UMKC. And I remember my assistant coach from the first year, since he got the offer to be an assistant coach there, came back. We had a conversation and he said, I talked to the head coach. We, we really want you. We trust you and we believe that you're going to come back even stronger. We still want to recruit you. Man, when I tell you pride, ooh, I was hit. I was hit. <laughs> I was hit. That thing hit me hard. And I was like, wow, I'm going. I mean, where, where am I going to go? So I told him I was coming. And that's how kind of it happened. My first year was rough because I didn't have a lot of playing time. But then I had a good second year at UMKC. Um, my first year was hard because I was not having a lot of playing time. And I was coming up a level with an injury. The team was really good. I mean, we were champion that year. Um, so it was a lot of things. But I stuck with it. My second year went great. My third year went great. And what ended up happening is my third year... I had the opportunity to go right away before, but because he saw that if he would have let me go to Texas Tech, I would have commit right away. And who knows who I would be, where I would be today. He made humility come in my heart. And he made me understand where my identity come from because it was definitely in basketball in the first place. And I'm glad to say that today, after all of that, all I've been through, I mean, I was walking around with huge backpacks of shame, guilt, unforgiveness, like stress, anxiety, and all of that. But now I can say that I have unpacked. I opened my luggage and I have took some clothes out. Some of them was representation of what my dad did to me. Some of them was my sister, what she did to me. And some of them was just that miscarriage and those pains that, that I was just carrying. And honestly, after sitting down with myself, and allowing Jesus to help me because it was hard and I cried out you have to cry out do not think that you're too strong for it there are some stuff you cannot fight it yourself you can't just go ahead and fight it yourself you need Jesus and whenever I started crying out that's when everything started to get better and it's pretty dope because he tells you do not carry your own burden like just give it to me and I was just allowing him to come into certain places. Some places I was like, oh, no, I don't think you should come in here, you know. But when I fully opened to him, that's when he started to transform me. And freedom comes from truth. And for a long time, I was letting the enemy being comfortable in my own place. I was making him comfortable. I gave him a pillow and I gave him a blanket. And every time Jesus was calling on my name, telling me, all right, kid, Let's go, it's time to move on and do some work. The enemy will bring back every time and remind me everything that I used to do, I used to be, so I could stay silent. And it worked for a long time until, you know what? I started sharing my testimony because whenever it's out there, what can he do against you? He has nothing over you. You know what I'm saying? Freedom comes from truth. And I need everybody to remember that.
For the ones I have unpacked, I mean, really good job. It took a lot because it is not easy. Seeking peace is not easy, but it is worth it. And there is so much hope. There is so much grace. And I know you guys got it for the one that or that haven't dealt with it yet. I'm telling you, it is worth it. Now, a lot of you might feel sad for me or you might feel bad. But I would tell you guys, please do not. Because you have no idea how much power I'm getting back right now. I mean, I forgave my dad. I forgave my sister. I forgave my grandma. Our relationships are getting better. I asked for forgiveness. I forgave the people that I was in relationships that hurt me. And I forgave myself as well. Which was the hardest part for me, honestly. Because I'm so hard on myself. But it is worth it. The light is right on the other side. And what I've realized is that I was gracefully broken. I didn't say I was broken. I said I was gracefully broken. I was broken, but still under the grace of God. And because of that, that tells me that he still had control over the whole situation and that he works out for good. And because he works out for good and he was still in control of the whole situation, I knew that every single thing that happened to me happened for a reason. And now I am understanding why, because when he told me to start this podcast, I can sit here and have the right words to touch hearts because I've been there. So whenever hard things happen to you, don't beat yourself up so much or don't be so quick to be mad at him because there is a bigger reason this is happening. So, yeah, I mean, that's my testimony. There is a couple pieces here and there, but I hope that it is helping even if it's one person i hope that it is helping remember those points that i shared with you guys at the beginning i hope now you understand better number one whatever happened god has grace for you number two jesus loves you regardless he got your back number three god turns your messes into testimonies so yeah that was my story guys i hope that you enjoyed listening to that and i really hope that it gave some kind of like encouragement to other people that's what it is all about a win for me is a win for you and it's a win for us so let's keep sharing testimonies and stories to one another and just start touching other hearts so they can just be part of the 99 all right guys i hope you have a good rest of the day and i will just talk to you in the next episode i don't know when i don't know who but i know it's coming bye y'all